SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Brad. I go by SEC Michael, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, I can tell the season is close, mm. Shane. We got football this weekend. Mm-hmm. We've got, we are officially a week away, Shane, from Tennessee and Missouri kicking off. And yeah. I, I say that because, oh, my, are these fans, <laughs> man, are they insecure on the Twitter machine this, this week? You know what? Insecure, sensitive, fired up. I love it. I mean, you could put all kinds of words to the fan base out there. <laughs> Anything you put out. I, I, I There's a South Carolina light video floating around <laughs> last year. I've never seen so many Gamecocks online. Yep. They're all excited about this. Um but yes, on the opposite end of that spectrum, if you say something about the program, they are going they are prepared to drag you through the mud. So yes, it is that time. It's the season, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I think a big part of that, obviously, Shane, is everybody's undefeated. Everybody's mm-hmm. confident. We're gonna beat our rivals this year. We're gonna have a hell of a year. But man, I stepped in it and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Shane, because I'm sure there's plenty of people mad at me at the moment, but I saw you reacted to it. We're in a couple threads where they were dropping it in, but someone made a Tennessee, well, it was a Tennessee account, but they were poking fun of the Florida Gators. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting here thinking, why in the hell is a Tennessee man poking fun of them Gators? Uh, you know, and the reason, the thing that I pointed out to was, hell, Vanderbilt's beating Georgia more yeah. often than Tennessee's beaten Florida the last 15 years. And mm-hmm. my point being, Shane, is why is it that us Tennessee people, it don't matter who the coach is or who the other teams bring it back, so confident that the Gators are going down this year. What's your thoughts on that? And how confident are you that uh, Tennessee's going to beat the Gators as of right now? Mm. And I got to set it up for, for everybody out there because – Yes, I got kind of roped into it a little bit, not as much as you, but uh, yeah, uh, guy, was it Grit Knox? I believe I that's so. his handle. Yeah, Put, puts out you know kudos to the Florida hot team. They really outdid it this time. I don't know the words exactly, but uh, it made it sound like he was actually giving credit to the the University of Florida you know, media's team. And so I was like, well, okay, that's weird. You know, (laughs) I know this guy. I don't, I mean, not personally, but I know that he is never going to say nice things about the Florida Gators. So I started watching about 15 seconds in. I said, oh, I see what this is. And it was too late to bring my retweet in. So I was like, you know what? Let's just ride it and see what happens. But this is what we're talking about, Mike. Um, We talked to a lot of people on Friday, which again, just a quick reminder, we're going to be doing Twitter spaces this Friday at 8 o'clock Eastern time. Mm -hmm. Um, And no Gator on there wanted to admit that the Tennessee Volunteers were a rivalry. Yet every Tennessee Volunteer that I know considers Florida as one of, if not the most rivaled or hated fan base out there so uh we just got a little glimpse of it and that's what that's what college football is all about man it, it, it has created division in the sec and i absolutely love it because <laughs> well, everybody thinks tennessee thinks we're gonna 
steamroll Florida. And Florida thinks, okay, yeah, that's not going to happen. We're going to beat Tennessee. But, right. you know, that's that's the beauty of that that matchup is, uh, we, you know, I mean, somebody's going to be really butthurt at the end of that game, you know what I'm saying? And the other fan base will remind us. <laughs> that's the one for those fan bases, Shane. It's like if you win it, you go on to a great season, you lose mm-hmm. it. Man, here we go again, downward mm-hmm. spiral. And it, it is kind of great that it's always the first month of the season. It's usually the first – it used to be the biggest game in the SEC annually. Yeah. And now it's basically a, a loser leaves town type ball game. But, hey, that just adds to, uh, you know, the, how the importance and the pressure of bringing home that win, particularly for the Tennessee fan base because they know they can't lose to Florida and really go mm-hmm. on to a, a great season with Alabama and Georgia staring at them down the pipe. You know what? Yeah, the 90s especially. I was young back then and and if you dropped one to Florida, it's like you you you're just praying that the Gators lose two more games throughout the season. And when they lose one, you want to talk we were more excited when they got beat from other teams than we were us beating them sometimes just because there was a chance <laughs> that we could sneak into the SEC championship, but <laughs> usually didn't happen. Yeah, well, hey, let's stay on this theme, Shane, because we got comments from uh, Billy Napier and Tennessee defensive coordinator Tim Banks. But let's hit up Napier yeah. first. I know let's get this one. <laughs> I know it's early in the morning. I hope you all got your coffee. And, and Cousin Shane, he loves him some Billy Napier uh, yeah. clips. Credit to you, brother. I, and my phone did this automatically. I, I didn't even intend to do it. But Shane texted me, Billy Napier. And yeah. <laughs> now my phone is like auto-correcting to Napier as well. But uh, yeah, he puts the NAP in Napier, <laughs> that's for sure. So we wanted to – I was thinking, Mike, because we're starting to do uh, – uh, with Crimson Calamity, they're, uh, they're sending us over some of these sound clips and really helping us out. And uh, if you love the music, go over there and check out their, their – they're on Spotify and, you know, all the outlets. But uh, I think we need one for Billy, something, you know – maybe a big banjo intro or something like that just to get everybody going. So, uh, but I do, I joke because I don't know, Mike, I don't know if it's, if it's just me, but we, we got Brian coming up, Brian Kelly, we Mm -hmm. got coach Napier here. And I just, it's hard for me not to think about some of the, the coaches we had last year, the, the clips we got from Dan Mall and the clips we got from (laughs) coach O, you know, did it work out on the field? No, but man, they were fun at the mic, weren't they? (laughs) Yeah. Billy Napier, he even tries, he attempts at a joke here. Oh, so close with the Florida photo that's gone viral. So we got that. I just thought it was uh, important to note that, Hey, what have we been saying all off season about the Gators? Shane depth going to be an issue, Mm -hmm. but Billy Napier notes, hell after this camp, we have developed some of that depth that he was kind of railing against in the spring. So I thought that was kind of important. And then this freshman running back rave review, Shane, Trevor Etienne, of course, the brother of Travis who played for the Clemson Tigers, first round pick Mm -hmm. Jacksonville Jaguars, very, very high hopes in Gainesville for old Trevor Etienne. So let's kick it over to Billy Napier. Um, I think the team photo is a reflection of that. I've had many people tell me about that, yeah. I, I was wondering. I see some of yeah. the old pics, too. My brother sent me a picture. I guess they photoshopped, you know, like three or four of the staff members on top of it, right? So my brother sent me that one, so I got a laugh out of that. 
we had talked about the two deep on your offensive line. Would you talk about the two deep of the whole roster? I mean, you know, you got what forty four positions when you count your punter and your place kicker in there. Are you are you, are you, are forty eight? Excuse me. Are you seeing what you need to, to go forward here, or a little thin? Do you think? Uh, no, I I think. Um, you know, I, like I said before, I've always felt, you know, kind of like going into the after spring, I would say we got a one and a half units, you know, if that makes sense. But I do believe that we've made progress, right? I think we've got um, players that have proven over time that they are loyal, that we can, um, we see consistency from them, right? They are responsible, they are dependable. Uh, we need more players that can play winning football. I think we have some that are in the middle of that process. But I do think that we've developed some players, right, that maybe have not played a significant role for the Gators in the past. You know, a few off the top of my head would be uh, Tyreek Sapp, Austin Barber. Um, you know, those are two in particular that stand out to me that I think are you know, they're, they're starters in my mind. They might not be a starter. They may or may not be a starter on game day, but they're going to play, you know. Um, there are other players that I think fit into that, right? I mean, some of the rookies that fit in that category, right? Shamar James is an exceptional player, right? Um, there's a number of young players that I think their role will grow as we, you know, continue to compete. But you know, we've developed some of the players on our team that have minimal experience, and I think they're ready for the the show. Now, how are they going to prepare, you know, the week of the game or 10 days, 10 days out from the game? You know, we officially turned the page today. Um, so I think that development in football, sometimes you got to go out there and learn, you know I mean? You think you understand what it's going to be like out there, you know, to play in a game setting. But I think that's one of the exciting things to me about this team is we got a lot of players that have minimal experience that I think are going to grow as the season goes. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been very pleased with Trevor. You know, there's no question we made a good decision um, there. Great, you know, was familiar with him having evaluated him um, at Louisiana. You know, the guy's, you know, five, eight and three quarters. He weighs, you know, 207 pounds. You know, he's got, he's loose. He's got a low center of gravity, catches the ball well. Um, I think he's got some returner value. Um, so the, the big thing with him is his character, his consistency. Uh, the guy shows up and works, man. He, he's got a little bit ahead of the game there, I think, because of his brother's experience there. So, you know, he's from Jennings, Louisiana, man. You know, his guy shows up here, he's like he's in New York City. So, I mean, he is a worker. Uh, he's got a great attitude. He's got a little sense of humor. I like him. And uh, I think he's got a chance to be a good player for the Gators. So. All right, I kid, I kid. That's the, I last, that's the last time I would call him Napier. But you got that stuck in my damn head now. But Yeah. I had to get that dig in. <laughs> and, and if you really break down what he says, Mike, he had some good stuff, and, and, that, and I don't want to take away from the message. The message here for the Florida Gators, and one of the things that we've talked about in the offseason as far as concerns, mm -hmm. is competitive depth, and he addresses that, and he talks – he doesn't talk to it as depth. He talks to it as 
other starters on this team. They may not come out, you know, on kickoff, but second quarter, third quarter, some of these guys, these contributors are going to be there, and that's what they've created this offseason is, is in essence, that competitive depth. So um, I think the, you know, the message wasn't, you know, it wasn't yelling, it wasn't exciting, but it's got to be exciting if you break it down and you listen to it as a Gator fan that that Billy is doing something. He is he realizes what some of the flaws are on that roster and he's in the process of correcting them. Well, let me spin it to you this way, Shane, because in the spring and maybe even entering camp, you could say, you know, you could talk up all you want. We don't have the roster where we want or we don't have the right. depth that we want because you basically got to make sure that everybody on that roster gets the message you better work or you're not going to be playing yeah and now we've reached the point we're in game week here so you can't be preaching to your team well hell we ain't got much depth we ain't got much talent especially with a top 10 utah coming in you you basically got to pull a 180 and say you know what after getting time with this team, I love this roster. We're going to go out there. We're going to beat the hell out of Utah with these, you know, it's a sellout crowd. They announced that this week that there's not going to be an empty seat in that house. It's going to be hot as hell. Utah don't know what's about to hit them in the damn mouth. And I think that's the, that's what Billy Napier is really trying to get across here. Don't you think? I think so too, man. And you talk about shocking the world or shocking the conference is beating Utah or keeping that damn thing close. I mean, People, myself included, and we make jokes about the Florida Gators because they're not down often. So we're going to let them waller in it a little bit. But if they come out and they beat a Utah team, I mean, we, we, we can't shit talk anymore. We can't – We Florida becomes a, a serious opponent at that moment, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so I'm, I'm not counting them out. i just saying – that, that depth that he's referring to, the late third and fourth quarter you're going to need, we're going to need some of those young kids to step up. We're going to need some of these transfers to step up. And if they can do so and they can beat a Utah team, golly, Mike. I mean, talk about a scary story. I mean, they're already recruiting like crazy. They haven't done that in forever. Imagine a, 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 a Florida Gator team that's got momentum going into SEC play. Yeah. And, and last little nugget on the Gator, Shane, Ricky Pershaw, the receivers that transferred in, who got banged up. He's no mm-hmm. longer in a non-contact jersey. He's on the field competing. So just great news on the injury front heading into the opener. That's yeah. We, we thought he was done, man. Right. <laughs> them, them doctors, they they put them <laughs> magic juice in them. I don't know what they call it, but they didn't have it when I was a kid, you know. <laughs> it was like no, you're out for the season. <laughs> now, next shade, real quick, let's kick it all down to Tennessee, where the defensive coordinator, Tim Banks, met with the media and Main reason I wanted to play this, Shane, was just on our last episode. If you missed it, go back and check it out. One thing we're dying to see from each SEC team. For me, Shane, was the defense getting off the field on third down, and that is exactly mm-hmm. what Tim Banks hits on here. I thought Vol fans would appreciate these comments. What evidence have you seen in camp that third down defense is better or is that just something you have to see on game day? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you, you look for evidence and clues, you know, during practice in every situation, whether you're talking red zone, third down, normal downs, et cetera. Um, and, and there obviously been some clues that, you know, we'll play at a high level. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to go out there and do it on, on Thursday, you know, next Thursday and Saturdays moving forward. But, you know, like, like I've said, you know, obviously the third down was something we talked about last year. But as I told the guy, this is a new year. 
you know, we're, we're, we're going, we, we obviously got some returning players, but, you know, the chemistry is different. There's different players at some, some spots. So, you know, we're just going to try to go out there and execute, whether it's first down, second down, third down, red zone, coming out, you name it. You know, we just want to execute at a high level, you know, and then when the season's over, you know, we'll see how we fare. So, again, Shane, you got to remember, at this time last year, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I didn't know who the hell Tim Banks was when they when they hired this guy, right? And I'm sitting yeah. here saying, well, I guess they just went on the cheap for the defensive coordinator. <laughs> but considering all they lost, considering the lack of depth, considering they didn't have hardly any NFL prospects on that defense entering the season, and then they got a number of guys drafted on that defense. And I know the stats were not pretty, but hell, mm-hmm. again, they didn't have depth. They didn't have much elite talent. I thought this defense played much, much better than than anticipated. I think they played, uh, you know, above their heads, so to speak. And now with with more talent, with more depth, I think there's reason for optimism that Tennessee's defense that everybody's counting out already could be much improved this fall. Yeah, everybody wants to talk about how great Tennessee's offense is. Just imagine the defense coming along and being something. Then, you know, that's what we talked about, what we're looking forward to is just finishing games. And you do that with your defense getting your offense back on the field after three and out. And that's something they did struggle at last year. And the fact that Coach addressed that and made it – I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm getting, I'm reading into all these things, you know. Now I'm like, they're going to bring back third down for what? We're going to be – you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Smoky Grace, we're going back, baby. So uh no, I I, I love the message here and uh and 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 the depth is 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 something that we lacked on that side last year and, and I think that we're gonna see big improvement this season. All right, Shane, next let's kick it all down to uh Columbia, South Carolina, where uh Shane Beamer met with the media here recently. And I know we played a little bit of his clip on the last episode, but the anticipation for this South Carolina team, Shane, and now, like you said, we're getting the light shows. I mean, that freaking lights are going viral <laughs> in South Carolina right now because of how much, how hungry this this fan base is to see what Shane Beamer and company got cooking in year two. I mean, I don't, I can't even recall the last time we've seen something like this. Can you? No, the, the fans are just like that's all we needed. That was the last piece <laughs> right there. We just needed some lights, the light show. So, uh, uh, no, I, I'll tell you, man, I, I'm not a Gamecock fan, but got goosebumps watching this thing. And if you haven't got a chance to check it out, get on the Twitters or our TikTok channel and, and watch the video because it's, it's up and running. And I'll tell you, uh, the lights make a difference. And, you know, I, I because I've seen it, I don't know if you – a lot of stadiums have had these LED lights for a while now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good that – South Carolina's back in that pack now, but when it gets going, brother, we had it. We had it at that Ole Miss game. It was electric, yeah. and the fans really get behind it. And it's just it, it adds to the atmosphere that's already dangerous at night in Columbia. Get out of here! This now you give them a light show on top of their <laughs> their techno music. Golly, it turns into a party. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, Gamecock Nation. Uh, it, this is it. Felt like this is the last piece that they needed. Yeah, and I love the fact that, hey, he's smart enough to know at this point of year he's got to use every little advantage he can in the recruiting landscape. And he comes out here, hey, we got a Saturday night ball game. He he goes team by team, all the teams they've recruited against. None of these schools Mm -hmm. got a Saturday night ball game opening weekend. Come on down to Columbia. I I love that message. 
Spencer Rattler getting disrespected. Man, he was he's pretty heated on that one. I'd like to see that. Yeah. And maybe the biggest question mark that, you know, it's not as fun to talk about, but South Carolina, the offense and defensive line, that's really what's going to dictate how far this team can go this year. Mm-hmm. Looks like potential weaknesses on both sides of the ball, but not, according to Shane Beamer, as South Carolina exits training camp. A major point of emphasis for us, obviously, going forward, but love where we are from a recruiting standpoint and excited about seeing so many of these prospects back on campus uh, next Saturday night as uh, as well. So I was looking at it yesterday, and uh, a lot of the teams that we compete against and recruit against, uh, Clemson, they don't have a home game next Saturday. Georgia doesn't have a home game next Saturday. Uh, North Carolina does not have a home game next Saturday. Tennessee doesn't have a home game next Saturday. So recruits, if you want to come see a college football game next Saturday night, uh, there's no Columbia, South Carolina is a fantastic place to be on a Saturday night, Saturday night. And really look forward to seeing a lot of you guys in Columbia when we kick things off next Saturday. So with that. What was your reaction to the Manning Award watch list that came out yesterday and no Spencer Rattler on there? Uh, I did not see that, so I had no reaction. So that's the first I'm hearing of it. Um, I don't know. It's like I tell our players that, uh, you know, the better better teams have the individual award winners. And if we just go out this year and and, um, uh, have the year that we – think we can have and, and develop as a football team will be will be a great year for us as a team and, and great year for guys as individuals as well. How many people are on that watch list? I'd say if somebody thinks that he's not one of the 13, 30 best quarterbacks in the country, they've lost their minds, in my opinion, but that's just me. He was to say he was on that list last year, I would imagine, right? Well, I don't think the guy's gotten worse as a quarterback since last year, so... I don't uh, – I, do I need to get back on my Parker White uh, kick from last year as well? Because it's kind of the same thing. I mean, I did not know that, Phil, but that's crazy. Yeah, and then my second question was about the offensive line group. I know Zach Pickens was in here earlier talking about how he was so impressed at how together they w- work. Um, just talk me through that and what you've seen um, with Coach Atkins. Yeah, game. no, and they should be because they all come back. They all came back from last year's team, you know. Um, it's they've played a lot of football together. It's an older group, and I would say the same about the defensive line as well. Just with guys like Zach and MJ Webb and, and Boogie Huntley and and Tonka and those guys on the defensive line, they've played a lot of football together. So those are two positions that um, you know I said it last year that I thought we had a chance to be a good team because we were good on the line of scrimmage, and I feel the same way this year. Those guys come back; they're a year older. Uh, goes back to the first question too about just being more confident in the system, Eric Douglas and making the calls at center and the other offensive linemen, they uh, they have a better understanding of what we're trying to get done. And there's great communication between them and Coach Atkins and Coach Sat and the rest of the coaching staff. And, and uh, you know, been pleased with those guys as well. And they're a tough, rugged group. I said, you know, after spring practice, talked about how those offensive linemen, they didn't miss a single practice all preseason or all, all, uh, all of spring practice. And, I don't think anybody has this preseason either. Same thing with the D-line. I mean, they just come out there and not going to just come out there and work and uh, love that about them, both sides of the ball. All right, Chaser. Hey, man, I don't know how you can not be fired up listening to stuff like that. And not that Spencer Rattler needs any more ammunition to uh, come out here firing, but just continues to play the disrespect card. You know what? 
That's it. I think he's got enough things pinned up in his locker. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, don't worry. He's he's coming out to to prove prove the world wrong. He's out there to prove Oklahoma wrong. He's out there to prove that he belongs in the SEC. That he is a top caliber quarterback. That he's yeah. not just a top thirty guy. He's a top five guy. That's what that's that's the attitude he has there, and that's the that's what these fans are expecting. And uh, uh, but you know, I, I like the fact that coach comes out and. And he's just kind of laying that landscape because these recruits are sitting there thinking about what they're going to do that Saturday. And it's like, well, I guess we could go to Columbia. And if they, I'm telling you, if you hit a right environment and you get the lights going, kids get hooked, um, you know, nef- never know. It could be the visit they needed. So mm-hmm. um, I like this message. Now, Shane, let's kick it over to the SEC West. We got comments here from Jimbo Fisher, who – Hey, that I was seeing reports. Jimbo always names his starter the Wednesday before the season. All this, so you anticipate Haynes King, Max Johnson. Who's it going to be? He was asked a question about six different ways, and nothing <laughs> aside from hyping up Sam Houston, Shane. So. <laughs> let's let's kick it over to old Jimbo. That so got a very good opponent coming. Sam Houston's in. I mean, have lost lost one game I think in two years. They were undefeated last year until the quarterfinals. Won the national championship before. We got six transfers in. I know on defense alone, offensively they got uh, quarterback uh, from Georgia Tech and some others transfers in in that group. So it's going to be a really good game. We have to get locked in and play and uh, keep developing our team where we go and get ready for the season. Bro. Hi Jimbo, have you? Uh, uh, decided who your starting quarterback is. No. And uh, have you – well, let me put it – you don't know or are you just not saying? I haven't, I haven't told you who my starting quarterback is. When do you intend to make a decision? Have you decided that? When I'm ready. <laughs> no, when, when I, I don't know. When might you be ready? <laughs> no. Other questions? I was going to say, going to be quick today, guys. Oh, I thought you were going to – my bad. Sorry. Back and back, Coach. Coach, is it just – too tight to call. I mean, how, I mean, how, how's the competition nah, really involved? Yeah, we're ready because I, I know we have a good idea what we're going on, how it's going on. We watch practice every day, and we'll announce it when we're ready. And Jimbo, you said all three quarterbacks are playing well. Mm-hmm. How so? And does that make your dis, uh, your decision more difficult? Maybe in a good. Well, way? I don't know if it makes it more deci- more difficult. It makes you more confident in the scenarios of things that go on. As like you say, you have a multitude of guys that you think can play well and do things, and you're learning each guy what each guy does well, what each guy doesn't do as well, and how you would call the game for him, how you call the game for him, how you call the game for the other third. You know, so I think all three are growing, and uh, like I say, when you have depth and you have guys that can play, it's a very good thing, especially that position. Mm-hmm. Jimbo, just kind of focusing in on Haynes and Max. With Max having starting experience in the SEC and then Haynes kind of understanding your offense, does that maybe give them an advantage in your mind? Or no, Whoever plays the best. And, and rookie, I mean, rookies play all the time. Second-year guys play all the time. Experienced guys play all the time. I mean, it's who's playing best right now and gives us the best chance, we think, to be successful with some things we're doing. So would this be the latest you've named a starting quarterback in a season or not? No. You've like, you've done this before? like. Mm-hmm. Okay. Multiple times. Curiosity: Is there a chance, or maybe, where you start someone week one and then they're not the starter for the rest of the season? In this business, you don't ever say that, but that's not the plan. You mean you definitely want to? Hopefully, the guy you name can play the whole season, and but you feel very confident in in the group of guys we have. If something happened to one of them, they got injured, they got banged up, or whatever happened, you you got very, I mean, very very good players to bring in. Jimbo, that answers the question if, if a guy needs to be replaced, but have you ever gone into a season thinking, hey, we will have two guys playing alternately mm-hmm. or anything? When, I have when, when was I that? I did at LSU in years. 
Demarcus Russell, uh, Marcus Randall. Uh, during those years, we had uh, Rohan David and Josh Booty. They rotated during games all the way up to the third, fourth game. And guys, and guys got injured, and ended up guy having it. And, and he ended up getting replaced at the end of the year, and the other guy. One of them made all conference, the other one got replaced and ended up being the starter. So, I mean, I've had multitudes. If you go through it many years, there's multitudes of guys. We did it with Damian Craig and Pat Nix. We had, we had roles for Damian to come in, and we didn't. And, but there's other years we played the whole guy the whole year. So, whatever gives us the best chance to win. Jeez Louise. <laughs> All right. Has Jimbo even been at College Station? Have we? It's like, have we ever seen him in the same room? Was this thing a Zoom call from the beach? Yeah. He hasn't left. He hasn't left uh, Destin. He's still down there. You know? Oh man, can you believe it, Shane? I mean, no info on the quarterbacks. I guess that's all right. Uh, but, but you got to hype up Sam Houston. This this is like a material for tell the truth uh, episode. You know what? This is ridiculous, Mike, is what it is. I, I, I'll never forget one time Nick Saban, and you'll have to look it up. He made They may have deleted that shit, but he talked about UT Chattanooga for like 15 minutes about how great they are and the coaching staff, and he absolutely loves them. And then it's like 100 points later. It's like, why did we waste – why did you waste all them words, Nick Saban? You only got so many words that you can use throughout the day, and you you spent most of them here. So, yeah. I, I I hate this. It's, it's talking about – I don't get me wrong. Jimbo is one of the most – he's the most engaging coach in the SEC. He's fun to listen to, and he usually gives you facts. And one thing that you're going to notice is it's going to flip like a switch right after this first game – uh, this this juggernaut Sam Houston. Um, after this game, that's when you're gonna see real coach talk, and and that's one thing. Jim, Jimbo's pretty authentic. He usually, does, you know, he he pretty much tells you how it is. Uh, but at least we won't have to worry about quarterback controversy and stuff like that. And 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 actual, I, I'm looking forward to that. So we're gonna rough it. Got another <laughs> week of it, and then. You know, we'll, we'll be fine. Yeah, and one more we got to get to. Shea Baton Rouge, where Brian yeah. Kelly, he won't name a starter either. Jane Daniels, mm -hmm. Garrett Nussmeyer, this thing's coming down to the wire. You know, this one, it makes a little bit more sense to me, Shane. They're playing Florida State. Very, yeah. very important that LSU gets this win. Otherwise, you know, who knows what type of season they're going to have. Not that, you know, not that it's going to derail by losing the first game, but you really want to start this – this era off with a win on nationally televised. So let's kick it over to Brian Kelly. Okay, this is who I'm starting. Is it almost there, or is it? Yeah, no, I think we're pretty much we're 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 closing in on on making a decision. Um, you know, the the two of them are outstanding quarterbacks. You guys probably, if you were voting as a group in here, it, it might be you know a split in, in this room. Um, it's it's pretty close. Um, so I, I think you could probably understand why for us, you know, we're not jumping out there giving you a quarterback because it is, they're, they're both fine quarterbacks and it's, and it's that close, but we're going to have to, we're going to have to make a decision here in the next few days. With such a close battle at the quarterback position, is there a chance we would see both guys against Florida state or you're just going to ride with QB one and, and that's it? You know, I, I don't. I don't know that I have an answer for that question as much as I think we need to make the decision, um, start who it is that we, we feel you know, gives us the best chance to win, but, but know that, that both of them are quarterbacks that can help us you know, 
uh, win the SEC. So, however that plays out, it's it's really hard for me to answer that question. You know, looking forward, but I think in the moment, um, we, we feel really good about both of those quarterbacks. Uh, I'm trying to be evasive, but it's just a fact. You're you're somebody I know who likes process and organizational structure and things like that. I guess just. Where do you think this team is right now for the season? How close is it to where you normally like a team to be? Today was our best day in terms of playing with speed, practicing with a purpose, um, understanding. You got the sense today that they were getting ready to play a game. Um, it was clean. It was uh, efficient. Um, you know, you had defensive linemen running all the way across the field, you know, pursuing the football. You, it just didn't feel like a check-the-box camp day, you know, where sometimes you kind of get in the doldrums of camp. You know, you could sense today. And they did it in the manner that I like to see practice being run. Um, so, um, you know, we are who we are. I mean, there's nobody else coming through the doors. You know, this is the team we have. Um, and, and I like their development. Um, so... I would say that we're on schedule for the preparation part and we're moving towards, you know, uh, really focusing on our opponent, Florida State, here in the next couple of days. And, and, and I expect us to be in a really good position physically. Um, it's gone really well, knock on wood, where we haven't had any major injuries. Um, we've been very, I think, intentional about um, – them being fresh, uh, so all all signs point to being on on the right path towards you know preparation being uh, where it needs to be for Florida State. Well, at least here, Shane, he's kind of it seems like he's being a little bit more genuine and just how tight the yeah. competition is and and everything factoring into that. But uh, uh, you know, it certainly seems like he's confident in his team heading into that opener, doesn't it? Yeah, this one actually felt real. Uh, you know, and, and we've said that a couple times. I really do think the quarterback situation down there is going to be fluid. One of the best questions uh, they asked was, are we going to see both of these guys? Mm -hmm. And he, he him hauled around, but I truly think that we, we do see both these guys. He I, He's looking for that separation in practice and in the scrimmages, and he's not getting it. But there will be a separation when those lights come on, Mike, and that's when we're going to find out our true quarterback, QB1, down there in LSU. So mm. uh, just he's going to keep it close to his vest. He's obviously going to come out and he's going to roll out somebody. But I, I think it's a 1A, 1B situation. Now, last little thing, Shane, let's kick it down to Columbia, Missouri, where I love the fact we were talking about the uh, Luther Burden chips on one of the recent episodes. That's what old Drink came to the podium with. He had his chips. He threw them up there on the podium for everybody to see. I love that. This is the second time we've seen him basically just showing off NIL yeah. or, or recruiting people to NIL his players, which, mm -hmm. hey, that's part of the job now. And, yeah. you know, it made Nick Saban probably don't have to do that because his team's on national television every game. But at Missouri, you want a coach that's going to sell his players to businesses to give them every opportunity they can. And Brady Cook was the first one he did that with. Uh, he, they named the team captains here. And I thought it was interesting. He even admitted, hell, maybe uh, our young starting quarterback, I don't want him to be a captain. I, I never heard a coach say something like this, but it was kind of interesting. So let's kick it over to old drink. Everyone's in the back. Y'all good sound-wise? 
Yeah, a uh, big day for our program. Obviously, uh, first day of school was yesterday, and our guys have been able to uh, get into a routine of, uh, of school, and, and uh, obviously we started our prep for La Tech uh, in um, – the beginning of the season, uh, our team votes captains. Uh, this year, we're going to have eight captains voted on by the team. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, and everybody voted, but on the defensive side of the ball, it was uh, Martez Manuel, Darius Robinson, Isaiah McGuire, and Chad Bailey. On the offensive side of the ball, Barrett Bannister, Toski Dove, Javon Foster, and Brady Cook. We're excited about those guys' leadership. Um, those guys have been leading for a long time. And they're great examples of what it means to be a Tiger, both on the field and off the field. And I think everybody can be um, proud of those guys. And I know our team certainly is. How important is it for your starting quarterback to be one of those guys that gets those votes from yeah, you know, honestly, if I'm being honest, I kind of wished he w didn't get it because I think he's got enough on his plate working, worrying about just being a starting quarterback. But that's the leadership that he's provided. You know, that's the guy that's had to handle all the rumors and transfers and all that talk and didn't flinch, showed up every day, was here every Saturday, organized throws, didn't matter, w was just – don't matter, get better. Don't matter, get better. And that's been his mindset. And I think when you say who upholds the highest standard, it's easy at that point to, to say, I'm going to put my vote on Brady because he ignored all the noise about all the transfers and blah, 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 blah. And he just said, man, I'm going to work. All right, Chance. I didn't see the video. And yeah. it sounded like he was getting in a fight or something. I was like, who is this? Who is this? <laughs> okay, but it makes sense. He's throwing a bag of chips up there. So. Yeah, yeah. This so, is this is great, man. <laughs> I like this. This this is what Missouri has to do. They got to sell themselves. They got to yeah. separate themselves. They got to. There's got to be a market, man. There's got to be. Hey, you know, Missouri's not the funnest place to play right now in the SEC, but it can be. And if it's not, you're gonna make a shit ton of money while you're here. So I think that this is a smart move. This is. I, I think I saw something. One of only two players. Uh, in the country have a product named after them. So yeah. the fact he's got chips named after him, I think the other one's uh, the Texas running back down there. But yep. it's just not not a lot of people are doing this. I love it. Yeah, like you said, every, anything and everything you can do to sell this program and help in recruiting is just a genius, genius idea. You know what? I wish they'd send us some. I'd like – because, <laughs> I mean, you can't walk into the Piggly Wiggly here and <laughs> – East Tennessee and say, give me some of them Mizzou chips. They just don't have them, you know? So I wonder if they're any good. Maybe maybe we'll advertise for them. <laughs> well, buddy, hey, that's all I got on this episode. You got anything before we hop off the line? One last thing, Mike, and I said, and the only reason I, I want to bring it up, you know me, I've been I've been getting anything, everything football related. I'm watching Hard Knocks. I'm watching We Are Marshall. I'm watching everything, and – Last night, wife, she's like, what's, what's this Monte Teo thing that keeps popping up? Oh, yeah. Did you watch it? I've seen it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. I got to be honest with you, Mike. I drug him through the mud. I, I drug him and his fake girlfriend <laughs> through the mud and the streets. I made so many memes about Monte Teo, and I immediately felt bad for doing that because it was a great story. I... I what drives me nuts is they should have released something like this two years into his NFL career. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, it haunted him. I, I can't, I can only imagine the, the shit he got. He couldn't go anywhere without being made fun of. And, and, and it gets between your ears and stuff like that. But I think he would have got more closure if he would have done something like this sooner mm -hmm. because I didn't even know that he was being catfished. I just thought it was a, a 
like a like he made it up like it was a hoax i mean that's what it came out so right um so i i just i thought it was a great if you haven't got a chance to check it out um do it uh, apparently he he was he was catfish brother <laughs> and i'll tell you if he would have had her playing nose guard they may have been a closer <laughs> game between alabama <laughs> Yeah, I was talking to someone about this the other day, Shane. I don't want to this won't necessarily ruin the movie or anything, but he did make a grave mistake, particularly yeah. when he found out that uh, you know he was probably being catfished or whatever you want to yeah. call it, and he mentioned it during the Heisman ceremony. You know, he screwed up there because it was uh, I guess it was like a day or two before that he found out. That, you know, this was kind right. of some BS going on, but at the same time, man, there's no way in hell he thought this was going to be a nationally televised and everybody's going to know about it a couple of days later that he had this relationship with a fake girlfriend. Yeah. And he was probably just thinking, let's get over this, this, all yeah. this, all this. Cause I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what the right words would be to say. And it, it would have been a massive, massive storyline cameras everywhere for him to try to explain what in the hell a fake girlfriend and, and everything that happened with that, you know? So I, oh, I mean, yeah. he was in a lose, lose situation, no matter what. And, and and to segue off that, you know, she really felt like she did nothing wrong. And, like, she played the victim. And I I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, because, I, say what you want, Monte Teo was a fantastic football player. He was a fantastic high school player, fantastic college player. That He should still be, uh, you know, I, I think one of the best NFL players. He just had that. He, he had it. And, um to, to think that this didn't derail that path at all you're, is crazy to me. So, but I want to ask you because I've been thinking about it all, all day, man. Catfish, all right. If well, I'm always thinking about food, but not that type of food, Mike. If there is an SEC team right now that you think is catfishing the country, I know, I know, Mike. There's a lot of hype out there to a lot of programs. And I'm putting you on the spot. You haven't even had time to think about it. But if you were to pick one of the 14 teams in the SEC, who's currently catfishing the country? Man, so we we spend all off season trying to gain fans. You're, you're about to you're asking me to lose some for us, but uh, no, no, no. We don't we don't pander. Okay, I, I, this is that's not what this is. This here, you may be wrong. Here's Save two. This. Here's two. I think come to mind, okay. Shane. And the only reason is for all the hype, for all the positives these two teams have. I yeah. still have questions about their them on the line of scrimmage, and at the end of the day, that's what the SEC is. If you do not have solid offense and defensive lines, then you're in trouble, brother. And mm-hmm. and the two that are questions, and even though we just we just talked about one of them, South Carolina, yeah, and Mississippi State. Oh, okay. Now you know what I'm saying. Like if those if the offense of lines are are just completely overmatched, those teams are yeah. in trouble. I really do think. Now I don't. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a question mark that we, you know, you just can't really, you don't know the answer till we see him on the field. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, okay. Well, I'm with you. Uh, we're talking about the, the light show there in Columbia and all the great magical things that they're going to have on the field. I can right, easily right. see that. I'm just not going to say it on camera. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, guys. Uh, the catfish that came to my mind, and and I think Mississippi State's an interesting one, but it, what it was Mississippi, is in the AP poll, are they even top 25? 
No, not neither one but of those teams is, I mentioned is, us. I know, but is what about Ole Miss? Are they a top twenty-five? Yeah. How about that? That's my catfish. That's the one I think that a lot of people are putting too much stock in the Lane Kiffin and what he's created at the places that he's been. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it wasn't all rainbows and sunshines down there in FAU the first couple of seasons. So I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say Ole Miss is gonna be my catfish story of the of the year. So maybe mm-hmm. wrong, you know, just maybe you wanna save this pod and <laughs> and I'll uh, I'll sing their, their fight song at the end of the season if they have another <laughs> ten wins, but then I don't think it's happening, brother. <laughs> yeah, that's just Shane once again hyping up them Bulldogs, talking yeah. down to Ole Miss. But, hey. Well, I, you took a jab at the Bulldogs, <laughs> so I figured I'd just go down the street and hit, hit Lane Kiffin. <laughs> hey, don't forget, everybody, Friday night, Twitter spaces. Yep. Shane mentioned it, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. But that's all for this episode of the show. I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate each and every one of you for checking us out. We'll catch you on the next one. See you guys. Go balls, Dude, I think we nailed this one. Front to back, I think we got a recording here. Come on now.